0: You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode sixty-one of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest is Ali Mujib. He is an enterprise account executive at Appian. He's got over 30 years in the sales game. I mean, this guy started out selling newspapers when he was 12. He's a proponent for mindfulness and meditation in sales and somebody that I was just so fired up to have on the show because I knew that he was going to bring some really unique and valuable insights. And that's exactly what he did. If you don't have time to listen to the entire episode right now, I'm going to serve up a short snack break sales tip that Ali gave us. That's very, very actionable and actually something that I've never heard anybody recommend here on the show. So listen in.
1: Um, One thing that I have started to do over the last few years is one for BDRs and SDRs. I always encourage you uh, to read uh, the 10 k's and the strategic initiatives for um, for your target accounts if they're publicly traded. Now, one thing to to really enhance that is listen to the recordings of the quarterly calls and listen to the Q and A. Um, that Q and a of those quarterly recordings is gold, right? Because there's so you can find everything on strategic initiatives and your quarterly reports. But when you really get into those real conversations and hear what those executives, the questions that they're feeling, um, there's a lot of diamonds there that is great from a prospecting perspective, and for account executives that are really trying to make sure that they're providing value that'll you know aligns not just with the business and strategic initiatives for your target accounts, but with your value proposition, right? So that's one thing that has really been impactful for me. I schedule them on my calendar whenever the calendars are up, and you you listen to those those boring calls, man. But there's there's a lot in there, um, and I don't I don't see a lot of reps that are doing that.
0: A fantastic sales tip from Ali. And look, we're going to get right into episode 61 of the Lunch Break Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I had a blast recording it. Here we go. All right, folks. Here we are, and I feel like we just need to go ahead and get right into the conversation because Ali and I have had a conversation for the past twenty minutes together, and it's been fantastic. So, um, getting right into it, let's talk about how you got started in sales. How did how did you find this profession, Ali?
1: Well, a lot of people, and, and thanks. Obviously, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. To- have this conversation you know i've been a big fan of your show for a while but you know honestly you know i I won't take you back too far but i was even selling papers in middle school i don't know how i started you know really getting into sales but what i call my first sales job was uh selling the sunday paper you know Mm. in a call center right so this call center where um you know that we we'd give the paper for free the San Francisco Chronicle for those that are familiar <laughs> Monday through Saturday if they just paid for the Sunday paper mm. and it was like a straight boiler room style call center where you know we'd have fun with it, but that really got me on the phones and got me enjoying like getting that win, getting that sale, getting that order so that's really how I got started James.
0: yeah and and it's it's interesting because we mentioned movies like boiler room, that mentality, like those are great movies. I love the movies, but they're like really bad for the stereotype of sales. If we're interested in building this profession up to be respected and admired. Um, But they, they exist because places like that exist. And a lot of us, that first taste of sales is that kind of, hey uh selling ads over the phone or slinging batteries at a ra- uh, radio shack or handing out flyers or whatever it is um what what was your impression of that? Like, how did you feel about sales after that? Were you jazzed up to go find your next opportunity? Were you thinking, this is the last thing I ever want to do again? What was your mindset around that first kind of intro into the profession?
1: Well, at the time, it w- it was just being around that that room, that excitement, that buzz, you know, and, and I think we've all been in the pit, so to speak, you know, and, yes. and, and you get into SaaS space. We've all started as SDRs and BDRs. So when you're in that pit and the phones are, are buzzing and you get that order signed, you know, it, it's obviously that's a little bit different selling the paper. But, um, you know, and then you start to get those commission checks. You know, I, I just remember Paying for proms and paying for all these different things, you know, through those commission checks selling the papers. So um, that's what got me started, you know, in some level of sales, you know, job, you know, like I I paid for uh, college personal training. Um, So I had like a book of business. I treated it like an insurance agent. So I would say like a lot of folks, you fall into some level of sales. Um, but, you know, it, I think when it really evolved into cloud technology and, you know, enterprise SaaS, that's what I says. this is where I feel like it's more of a career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an important distinction to make is, and, and lots of us will, will go through that realization at some point where you start out and you have, and you're kind of showing up again every day because of that energy. You're not really sure where this is going to go. I, I definitely don't want to be doing this for ten years, but right now this feels like a good thing for me to do, yeah. and and I'm learning some things, and and then maybe you get that next role that's a little bit more structured or a little bit more buttoned up, and then it's it's um, okay. Well, there's a, kind of another level of this. <laughs> this is interesting, and so so. F- how did you because from for me when I think about it I wasn't even aware that there were inside salespeople working at software companies selling over the phone I'm so serious I mean straight up when I started yeah. in retail sales it was like the end-all be-all was uh, I don't know selling at Macy's I, so, selling suits at Macy's I mean um, so when I realized and kind of got turned on and I can't even remember how it happened. Maybe it was a customer that came in and I met somebody who was doing that job. I was like, Oh damn, you could do selling over the phone from Monday through Friday, eight to five. Um, <clears throat> how did you kind of come across that realization that there was this other side and that there it, it was a way to make it into a career. Was that just, Natural progression for you, or
1: yeah, I mean, to some degree. I mean, uh, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now, but you know, prior to that, you know, I've been here for going on four, four or five years now. But prior to that, we were in the Bay Area, right? So when you, when you're in the the Bay Area, growing up in the Bay Area, I think it was you know less about understanding the sales role, more about falling in love with innovation, technology, and software in general, because you're in the hub there, and you know, a lot of my. Uh, my friend's parents, you know, they live in Fremont, California and Mission Hills, which is the heart of where a lot of the Silicon Valley, you know, CEOs and executives live in, in, in that area. So you understand like, oh, he's a he's early in Cisco and he's early in, you know, VMware and all these different companies are that are blowing up yeah. where innovation was cool to me. Right. Yeah. So as kind of the sales world and the innovation technology eventually crossed wires, it was more a matter of how can I be a part of offering this great innovative solution right um so prior to that i was you know in other type face-to-face sales outside sales roles and when my wife and i sat down and we talked about that next wave of my career i said it's going to be in the cloud and it's probably not going to be the big fortune 50. I still like the aspect of working for that scaling, growing company. You know, Mm -hmm. that company has gotten some funding that's growing through that process, you know, and then it's a matter of finding the right fit, right company, right platform, right leadership, right? So a little bit of, you know, I know that's a long-winded answer, but, you know, kind of, um, that's how it evolved for me.
0: Yeah, but I think it's a great answer because things like that don't happen on accident. You don't make... (laughs) a career change and get into a space like that and and have success without it being talked about and thought about. And I think lots of folks, and, and I know I was this way, especially early in my career, I was like, well, I want to do all these things. I have all these goals, but there was never any moment to kind of just be still and think about okay, so what does that look like? Let me just write these things down. Let me think about it's this, you know, it. the company looks like this, the offering looks like this, the leadership that's in place looks like this. Even just a rough idea is, is so much better and you're putting yourself kind of 10 steps ahead, the average person that's just, well, I uh, hit quota last month, crossing <laughs> my fingers, I hit quota next month. And if I get fired... I'll just find yeah. somewhere else, right? I mean, so there's an aspect there in your answer of, you know, that that kind of mindful decision making of, like, hey, this is where I want to go next, and this is where I think it's going to be. Uh, so I love that answer.
1: Well, it you know I appreciate that, but it took me a little while to get that far along, in a, sure. in a couple company companies that were a little too early stage, and their processes mm-hmm. aren't mm-hmm. put together, or companies that have funding, but. The leadership doesn't align with who I am, right? So I think today, you know, at my age of 42. I can say, okay, I need to look at all of these different things. I need to talk to, you know, because um, in my current role, that was very critical. You know, I've been in my current role for about six months now. And I said, okay, I'm not just looking at the company and the funding and is this a platform I could sell. I wanted to know the team and the leadership and everything else. So for some of the younger sellers out there, like, like they're, you, I wouldn't say, you know, you got look to at, at, look at all of these different things. But it's important to know, you know, at least at a high level, to your point, what you're getting into. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, geez, if, and, and you know, the, I've been thinking about this and it's funny that we stumble on this, this culture of advice that we live in, right? LinkedIn is just full of advice and (laughs) some of it's fantastic. Some of it has no context. Some of it's maybe not so fantastic, but, there are there's plenty of places to go to figure out and try and avoid making mistakes mm-hmm. right but i think both you and i would say the mistakes we've made however grave or serious or uh, however much we want to try and take them back i mean they've the reason we've arrived at the moment we are in now so i value those mistakes and it sounds like you're very aware like well the only reason I know to ask these things is because I've screwed up and not done this before and so you know it's an interesting thing you mentioned the younger generation of sellers coming up hey like you can try and mitigate for it all you want but know that even when you do your research and even when you think you're getting the real deal you're probably still gonna show up and maybe in 60 90 six months you're you're scratching your head wondering what have I got myself
1: into full,
0: full disclaimer right
1: no, but yeah, you, you, but I would say, James, you're 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 right on the money because I, you know, I think when you're going through challenges, you're going through uh, you know obstacles in your life. You, you never want to wish that upon anybody, but you know, it, these are the building blocks that really help us become the the men and, and the women that we want to be and the want to become. Um, so even for myself today, in you know 2020, I like to ask myself two questions: What am I supposed to learn from this experience, and what have I? What what is resurfacing? just to confirm that I've already learned it, right? And just everything's an opportunity for growth, you know? And, um, you know, some of uh, my biggest sales failures have led to uh, the greatest sales successes, right? So it's a matter of really resetting and say, what can I learn from this situation? So
0: 100%. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's when, when you can arrive at that place, it, it creates the ability to stay in the middle, much longer than if you're kind of running around and and riding the highs and getting real low. And and because I had a mentor tell me when I first got into business development in B2B sales, I was like 29, I was much older than the average BDR. And I enjoyed it, but I was also struggling a little bit because I didn't have control. I didn't, I wasn't used to not having control of the sales cycle, really. You know, like the idea of passing off an opportunity and it dying and not really knowing how it happened was like, oh, why is this happening? And so I would get real high when it would go really good and then I'd get real down about it. And, um, you know, one of my leadership at the company I was at was just like, hey, you gotta get in the middle, right? You gotta learn that, that, you, you know, there there will be plenty of up days and yep, go ahead, pat yourself on the back and then get right back on the middle train, right? And you're right back and focused on the next valuable activity that you're going to do that's kind of putting that next drop in the bucket, right? So um, it it is definitely something that I think only comes from the mistakes and the experience. And one of the things that kind of immediately attracted me to your content and kind of how you think and speak about sales is this aspect of focusing on being mindful. Like we were having a uh, back and forth on LinkedIn (laughs) this morning, right? About the inward focus, right? That inward attention to detail, I feel like. Um, And, and how, how missing that is in, in, the sales profession i mean you hear you hear everything about even at its best it's like be physically active let's go to the gym get (laughs) jacked up and and you know go make a a thousand phone calls and that's great too fantastic it's much better than this the cigarette smoking uh (laughs) car salesman from the 70s you know (laughs) that drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette while they're closing deals uh way better than that but Um, it's, it's, I'll let you kind of share your point of view, but I'm interested to hear how you feel about this marrying of, of, of the sales profession and this idea of being conscious and mindful and inward and all of those fantastic things we were talking about before we hit record.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, one part, just to back up for me, like I, I was involved in a lot of team sports growing up. Right. So yeah. Um, to me, sales and sports have a, a lot of direct correlations, right? So Absolutely. If you have a, a bad performance, a bad game. Look at you know maybe a, any sport. And I didn't play basketball; I was more of a soccer player and a runner. But if you look at those sports that have a lot of games, you're going to have a bad game and you can't take that with you on the next game, right? And so um, the thing that really, you know, I was fortunate as you and I were talking about before we actually hit record was, I was fortunate to have, during my personal development, you know, when we're talking about you know, early college ages where you're trying to figure out who you are as an adult, I I was introduced to Buddhism and really able to go inward, right? So one of those things that really stood out to me was Bruce Lee's Be Like Waters quote. A lot of people don't realize how profound that really is. And that to me is that, that middle as we're talking about, that's what it is. It's like, how can we keep our energy even keel? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I try to think about things from like a track perspective. Like when you're fastest in a track race, it's not the beginning when you actually take off and it's not even the end, it's the middle, right? So from an energetic perspective, how can we stay at even keel and at peak performance in doing so? Mm-hmm. And um, so something that, um, Kevin Dorsey had posted a while. Everyone knows Kevin is a thought leader in sales and marketing space. He had posted something on LinkedIn a while ago, which is how come we're not looking to replicate, you know, the exceptional individuals and in industry agnostic, not just sales, right? What are these guys doing? And all of these guys invest a lot in rest recovery in their mental state. Like, so, you know, now meditation is becoming a lot more mainstream, but when you look at what Tim Ferriss is saying, when you look at Brendan Burchard is saying, there's a lot of similarities there. And most people, um, even, um, you know, recently, Tim Ferriss had the podcast with uh, Brene Brown, they focused more on going inward than they did outward, right? And so to me, I think that's been a great benefit for me to be able to go through sales. I've been in some layer of sales, as I said, since I was 12 and 42 now, so it's almost 30 years. Obviously, a lot of that is not enterprise traditional B2B sales. Um, but how do you ensure that you are at that quote unquote flow state, you know, at all times, right? So even recently, I just started to listen, dig into what flow state is, and, and it's something that can be taught, right? Which is all about how, do, how are we training our mental toughness, our mindfulness? So to me, those things are the key superpowers, not just hustle porn, making more calls and dials, because, you know, how can I be at an optimal peak mind state? so that I can actually perform at my best. And I think peak performance and sales, they go hand in hand. But what do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with you, man.
0: I, I, and, and, and again, that is only after doing the opposite and learning <laughs> that it runs you into a ground, you know, into the ground, you know, mentally, physically. Uh, in, in my retail days, I mean, the idea of slowing down was the quickest way to to be banished at, you know as far as like one of the team or or not pulled into the room later by your manager like are you motivated to sell those cell phones you know it was just the mentality um and but but it was also very much put on myself i was very much i got to work on sundays i got to do this i got to yeah. do that and a lot of it Definitely came from where I was at in my life, right? I was at a survival kind of point in my life, right? I I had to do those things (laughs) like there was no Option, right? There was no alternative but hard work Um, but the mindset surrounding it of I can also take 10 minutes before Mm -hmm. I go to work and you know focus on my breathing or even just think about what I'm eating and how that feeds into my energy level for the day or think about what I'm drinking. Um, I probably had like seven red bulls a day, (laughs) (laughs) just horrible. And so by the end of the day, you're just completely a shell of a human. Right. And, and so for me, it, it, it was definitely through many years of just not caring and not tying those two things together. And then it's, it's first for me, it was, it was reading a few books about mindfulness and meditation and, and realizing this is a, I was definitely at the point in my life where I was like, ready to to optimize i guess as a as, as a person and i was had that because you have to arrive there there's there's no yeah. forcing it on anybody you can't tell somebody all right time to get your shit together <laughs> right it's got to be it's got to come from you know your own internal drive yeah. so you know for me it started with that and then it's unfolded and and it's the the deeper i get into things like the eightfold path and mm. Buddha's teachings uh i i uh, I'm reading a book now. I think it's called Buddha's office. Okay. It's, it's very interesting. You know, it's the, 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 how much the things that Buddha talked about relate to what we do at work and right action and right livelihood and all of these things. And, um, it's helped me tremendously. It's helped me navigate difficult situations conversations it helps me not be stressed out all the time quite frankly right it, it and i put something up about it the other day it's that idea of equanimity right it's the idea of being able to just kind I saw of that
1: word i never heard that word before
0: yeah just remain calm right i think yeah. i heard the first time i heard it was from um joseph goldstein who has a podcast uh about okay. meditation and mindfulness uh he's you know uh and a teacher out of like the Shambhala center out in uh, Colorado, I think. And, and um, it just immediately clicked for me. I was like, this will work for me in sales. And this mm. should be talked about all the time for, with salespeople. Like when you're a new salesperson, you should be given the playbook, the phone, the laptop, and a book on mindfulness and meditation. <laughs>
1: add, add a de-stress and deal with that anxiety, right? <laughs> yeah. One that stood out to me, like one of my, I call them my teachers, even though they're not my teachers, like it was, it was Nanda. I've talked about him a lot, but um, in the movie, if you, there's obviously the book, Autobiography of the Yogi, which I suggest to anybody who hasn't read it, read it. It was the only uh, book in uh, Steve Jobs' iPad and it was handed out at his funeral, um, so just, just to give you some context, there is a movie called Awake, you know, as well that you can watch. And the one thing that always stood out to me in the movie was when he was very frustrated living in Hollywood and wanted to go back home to India and he was channeling with his guru and his guru says the true sense of spiritual intelligence is to do it in the midst of chaos. Yes. And that always stood out to me because they says, Hey, in the, in the, in the heart of the storm, you know, you're at the end of a quarter, you're trying to pull a deal in whatever it might be being able to just stay calm and navigate those rough waters. And, and obviously, if you're an SMB sales, mid-market sales enterprise, it's very different, right? So um, being able to do that and conquer that, that's, that's some of the fun stuff for sales for me. So imagine if you can perform at the highest levels as if you've been there before, and we're all obsessed with like peak athletes and Olympians, et cetera, that mindfulness practice is what we really need to invest our time into. Um. So I don't read a lot of sales books. I read a lot of philosophy and psychology and spirituality books. Now, every now and then, there's some great sales books like, you know, uh, Gap Selling, shout out to Keenan, phenomenal, and never split the difference last year. Just some great books that are out there. But uh, I, I think we're seeing a big push now with mental coaches right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I continue to see that more and more, um, you know, as we're starting to see like LeBron partner with calm and meditation <laughs> being so common now. Uh, I think all the Fortune 50 have mindfulness programs now. So I think it'll start to ticker down, you know, taper down to most organizations having those type of programs.
0: Yeah. And, and fantastic way to go. Right. Because (laughs) it's, it's, to me, it helps shift. You know, what's interesting, this idea of meditation, mindfulness becoming more mainstream has Mm -hmm. made me feel more comfortable about talking about, Emotions like compassion and empathy, yes, as it relates to sales, because those two things like for feelings like that and emotions like that, if you were to say that thirty years ago, it's like, hmm, you know <laughs> we don't want we want hunters, we want people that are aggressive, we want people that can close the deal and get them to sign on the line and um all of that <laughs> fantastic stuff and i I, I think uh it. It helps shift that narrative to, okay, well, if we're being honest, the best salespeople aren't the pushy ones, aren't the overbearing ones. They may be for a short period of time, but definitely not in the long run. I mean, I, I the most vivid memory I have of that is when I sold cell phones, there was a guy, it's like the most toxic salesperson ever right he was mean to everybody lied to customers did everything he wasn't supposed to do but he was selling a bunch of whatever right and he was always number one and then eventually that came crashing down right and you realize okay so this is a circus put up by very weak tent poles right so um i think it helps shift that narrative towards hey we can be compassionate, we can be empathetic, we can think about the best option for the customer first, yeah. and then the commission comes in just because we're feeding that positivity bank all the time. you know you're bound to cash out with some commission checks every now and then. <laughs> well,
1: I, and you're I mean I think you're, you're you're right there, James. but one thing I think people forget about when we talk about compassion and empathy. I think we all know in sales the Gartner stat of the average buyer is six point eight buyers, right, but for those six point eight people. Do they all care about the same things? They don't. You might have one, two, or three that are tied to the business unit, that are tied to the scenario, but the rest, you know, it's just another project, it's just another tool, it's just another new shiny thing for them. So when we think about empathy and compassion, what really matters to these people? And if you're able to dig into that and you're able to validate that. So one thing I talk about when we look at our sequence of events and mutual action plans and everybody's running internally in sales, it's not me that can answer those seven people's needs. Right, so who am I bringing in, you know, to support that? And if I if I'm not thinking about things from an empathetic perspective, you know, somebody else is doing a better job of that. They're the one that's going to earn the customer, right? And if you are providing that level of value, because I think authenticity, you know, catchphrase today in sales, right? And you know, make sure you have empathy. But if we're really, really doing it, like really doing it, you're digging in. You have to challenge that customer, and sometimes you really got to challenge them to a point where it's it's uncomfortable for them. For them to say, well, this is what really matters to me. Well, great. Let me go get the resources internally to bring into this conversation so you feel more comfortable. You know, That's really in sales something that's going to help people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it goes along with the ability to kind of say, hey, I'm not the one with all the answers here. <laughs> I, can, I can kind of step back and say, mm, not going to be able to fill this for you. I'm going to go need to pull in somebody from this team over here. They're going to come talk to you and it will be all good. I I've, I definitely feel like salespeople, especially in a lot of organizations, get, get told, go do your thing. Like, especially if you're a good salesperson. I think this is one of the hardest things that happens with, with good and great salespeople. They get hired, it's a new thing maybe, right? One of the first ones doing it and then they just get told, hey, go do, Go be a rock star, right? And, and it automatically puts you on an island and makes you feel like, okay, I've got to be the one with all the answers. I've got to be the one that can take care of all of these different people involved. in the uh, 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 And before you know it, you've lost track of them. You're not following up. People are, now they're pissed. And now they're, <laughs> you know, now they're mad at you because you're trying to be a superhero. When if you could just take a step back and like you said, we're really being real about practicing with empathy and and showing compassion it's like knowing (laughs) time for me to step aside here come on guys come come solve this person's problem i love that man i think that's a fantastic way to tie it in um and and it really again goes towards hey um something else that that i think (laughs) has always scared me about uh, the journey of learning more about Buddhist teachings and and the Eightfold Path is that point that that I've read about and heard about where the ego Starts to kind of dissolve and disappear. I think one of the reasons that Business people in general I think maybe shy away from meditation is because they think it's gonna I'll lose my edge I'll lose my competitive edge if i'm too calm or if I lose if I lose my ego my ego is the guy that is driving this whole thing for me here. Are you serious? So what has your experience been with, with kind of going on your own journey with that? And the way that like, do you feel like you have more of an edge or less of an edge? I, I, I'm just interested in, in kind of how you feel about that mindset. Cause I've heard that several times where people are like, ah, even I hear, I hear Gary V. he's like scared to meditate. Cause he's afraid something's going to go crazy and he's not going to be the, you know, he, be too calm. I don't know. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that kind of concept. Well, I mean, the
1: meditation means different things to different people. You know, Very so, true. you know, prior to a couple years ago, um, I didn't really focus a lot on breath work, you know, but I was able to. Um, stare at a wall for like 20 minutes in thoughtlessness, right? So like, you yeah. know, honestly, a lot of the work I was doing, you know, early in my development was pre-social media, right? And yeah. my wife is a, a holistic energy practitioner. So through the last five years of her educating herself, I said, oh, wait, being the watcher and doing all these different things. Mm-hmm. But to go back to your question, think about it. if you Would you rather be uh, MJ against the jazz the fourth quarter with the second, you know, the clock, you know, ticking down, and just being a stone-cold killer with, with not being stressed, or do you want to be somebody that frazzles in the big game, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's the thing you got to think about when you look at the Tom Brady's versus the Peyton Manning's of the world. How, you know, how many, you know, everybody would have thought Peyton would have five, six, seven rings, but he didn't, you know, and he's probably, he we'll go to the Hall of Fame first ballot, right? So to me, if, if this is a tool that I could take out of my pocket, you know, in my toolbox, right, um, when the things are critical, um, then I want those tools, right? So for me, I think I was very fortunate where I did always have sales being in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's always a deal that's potentially going to fall out. There's never a perfect time to go on vacation, right? So, you know, if I've made sure that I give the things that I need personally to stay grounded, to stay full, to be at 100% um, so I could be there for my family and things of that nature. Um, but we're always up-leveling. Right? we're always trying to say what is that grounding we talked about burning out like five years ago i burnt out you know, and i never thought it would have happened i was like wait i've kind of lost myself and i had to have a reset and it says hey um you need to make sure that you're feeding your cup or you can't feed others right so uh, to me whether it's meditation or mindfulness or journaling uh, people do things in different ways but it's the ability for you to you know uh, be conscious of the situation you're in and not giving it power Uh, but still being fully present. Right. So to me, um, without some form of meditation, whatever that, whatever that means to you, you're playing checkers and it's not checkers, it's, it's chess. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to think 10 moves ahead versus the next move, how much better are you going to be in your life, in your career, you know, in sales, you know, in, in business development as well. Right. So,
0: yeah and you can kind of parse it out across every part of your life literally if you were to take that approach and say mm-hmm. instead of instead of worrying about reacting or or just that next thing that next call or that next fire email that's going to get me a meeting what if I'm thinking about 10 steps ahead what if I'm thinking about 10 steps ahead of my career like we talked about you know being able to yep. step back and say hey I, this is the kind of leadership I want this is the kind of environment that I thrive in and I've I know this from trial and error, right? So it's, it's one thing I've noticed about all of the folks that I've had on here is, you know, when you have success in whatever it is you're doing, it's usually paired with high sense of self-awareness.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Straight up. Because you're able to kind of consist, constantly, to your point, realize that you're leveling up all the time right? It's yeah. always changing. It's a constantly moving. There's never any static thing about a journey, right? I mean, it's always, <laughs> <laughs> it's always yeah, going. Changing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that was something that I struggled with um, and have struggled with and still do struggle with, is this idea that there's never a resting place. There is no plateau that I'm going to reach where I'm going to feel like, ah, finally I'm here. No, (laughs) yeah.
1: It's one thing my wife and I always talk about is it's about the process. And when you fall in love with the process, you know, um, just to kind of back up on what we were talking about for a second, as far as a tangible moment of applying mindfulness, one of the greatest examples I have, and I talk about this with my team is, we all have kind of a a, a poor call, right? Or a bad meeting. And a lot of people can react to that or they can respond in a certain way. Sometimes the the most mindful way of handling that is to, to call your point of contact and say, that sucked, you know, and that wasn't our best. And having a real vulnerable conversation is actually gonna get you so much further, right? So these are the type of, you know, kind of plays that you can actually apply when you're actually, you know, really working on your mindfulness practice and applying them to sales and business, right? Or having a tough conversation with, you know, one of your prospect executives and say, hey, look, this isn't a fit. Um, I really want to help you. But if you're not going to allow us to do what you asked us to do, then we can't really offer you the service. You might not be the best suited for our company, right? And usually they're going to back off and say, you know what? That's me. That was a bad day I was having. You know, I think Kevin talked about this recently when him and I spoke. So I think you'd be blown away when you're able to apply these things into your professional life and your personal life, right?
0: Yeah, it it what because moments like that when you call them right back and you just <laughs> say, "Hey, uh, I just really messed that up, guys, and 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 I'm sorry for whatever reason this is what did." And, and I've seen it happen. I've been brave enough to do it a few times. And when you're vulnerable, yeah, you realize, Oh, we're people, you know, the human, the human mask comes back on for everybody on the phone or everybody on that, you know, interaction, because it's like, well, I get it. Right. You're trying to communicate this. I understand, you know, the other day, um, I had somebody send me, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Sent me a message a couple of minutes after, completely wrong name. Um, Fine message. I mean, the message was whatever, but it was the wrong first name. Um, Just hit him right up and was like, hey. Got got the name wrong. Just letting you know, for, in F- case F- you're F- running F- a F- little F- sequence. <laughs> I get it, right? Just, and uh, that was it, right? I mean, I said I can't help you out with what you're asking about. Um, and check check that name <laughs> yep. thing. And it was it wasn't a big. She was like, oh, yep, sorry. Trying to do too many things over here. Yeah. And, and I said, I get it. Done it I'm before. Yeah. Move on, right? Um, because hey. When when you can break that barrier down, and I think that's tough for a lot of folks though, Ali, because especially when I first started working in B2B sales, I definitely felt like I had to put on some sort of air or talk about talking a certain way or 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 even internally, you know, even with my colleagues and, and um it took me a while to realize that mm, way better off just cutting right right to the heart. <laughs> and, and it sounds like you've, you, you've had those same revelations. I love it, man. Um, I am uh, mindful of the time here and uh, want to make sure that I ask you, uh, I ask every guest for just an actionable sales tip that, that the audience can use when they get done listening to the show
1: yeah, and I know you have a wide range of um of uh, tenured sales professionals that follow your show because it is a great show. So started to do over the last few years is one for BDRs and SDRs. I always encourage you uh, to read uh, the ten k's and the strategic initiatives for um, for your target accounts if they're publicly traded. Now, one thing to to really enhance that is listen to the recordings of the quarterly calls and listen to the q a um, that q a of those quarterly recordings is gold right because there's so you can find everything on strategic initiatives and your quarterly reports but when you really get into those real conversations and hear what those executives the questions that they're feeling um, there's a lot of diamonds there that is great from a prospecting perspective and for account executives that are really trying to make sure that they're providing value that'll you know aligns not just with the business and strategic initiatives for your target accounts, but with your value proposition. Right. So that's one thing that has really been impactful for me. I schedule them on my calendar whenever the calendars are up. And you you listen to those those boring calls, man, but there's there's a lot in there. Um, and I don't I don't see a lot of reps that are doing that.
0: Fantastic advice. And 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 it lives in I mean what I like to call like just not fancy like that's gonna suck doing that is gonna not be fun it's not it's gonna not be much. flashy but what a great and i love that you've kind of even got it even more minute with just that q a section right yes. because i've quite honestly tried to do that and listen to a few of them and i always kind of felt like well what am i really listening for here what am i gonna like what what's the takeaway Because to be honest with you, sometimes I felt like maybe some of it was going over my head, right? So how do I det- you know, determine the Q and A? Genius, I love it. That's fantastic, man. So, um, and need to make sure that I ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast. What is your favorite place to eat lunch, man?
1: I thought about this one when you asked. I'm going to give you two because one's boring, right? So, unfortunately, I get to work from home now. And uh, thank you, James Clear and Atomic Habits, where I try to go out and uh, just eat lunch with my wife, you know, because I also work from home, right? Yep. Um, But if I had to give one, you know, here in in, uh, Atlanta, there's a place called True Food Kitchen, Mm. and uh, they do a great quinoa teriyaki bowl, right? So, if you want to eat healthy, you know, so... It's just yummy, yummy. I mean, we went there for even for dinner last Friday, and I was like, I probably had this the last ten times I've eaten here. But I just, <laughs> right, so uh, that that's one of my go-to lunch spots.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I have <clears throat> had a lot of people that that just by default maybe their favorite place is like an Italian place. Okay. And I've thought about you know maybe over the course of the seasons maybe putting together like a hey places to go eat lunch. Well, if everybody's going to eat Italian food at lunch, that's gonna make you so tired. So I love that your your uh place is somewhere that it'll you'll leave and you can have some energy when you get out of there. <laughs> Cause I don't know about you, man, but that one thirty to two thirty hour, if I'm if I've eaten something heavy, it's
1: Well, the it's weekend rough. lunch is different than a work week lunch for that same Very reason. Very true. Right?
0: Very true. Well, hey, uh Ali, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I was looking forward to this I know I had to reschedule a couple of times so I just appreciate uh, okay. your grace appreciate
1: and, and you having me on yeah show.
0: yeah man and and I love what you're doing how can people get in touch with you talk about your podcast where can they find you uh, so they can stay in touch with what you've got going on man
1: yeah man um LinkedIn is probably the best way um, you know I don't I'm not on instagram and and, and Twitter or any of those right so LinkedIn I'm pretty active. Um, So you can find me on LinkedIn. And then if you're interested in um, kind of thoughtful, mindful, conscious, uh, you know, conversations, I just launched my lead with meaning podcast. So please follow lead with meaning on LinkedIn as well. And um, just hit me up and, you know, I'll get back to you as quickly and pretty promptly as I can.
0: Fantastic. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 61 of the lunch break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.